Greetings, fellow investigators, and welcome back to our video podcast, Into the Darkness, where my friends and I play the Call of Cthulhu role-playing game. I'm your host, Tom Rayleigh. Our campaign is The Curse of Nineveh. It was written by Mike Mason. Uh, Matt, it was written by Mike Mason, Mark Latham, Scott Dorward, and Paul Fricker, and it's available from the Chaosium website. I'm the GM, and this is episode five. Our recap will be given by John Byram. So, without any further delay, let's begin our let's continue our journey into the darkness. John, thank you, Tom. When last we encountered our investigators, they were intensifying their investigation into the curious statue and unexplainable horrors that had befallen so many who were involved with the Nineveh expeditions. Vadim and Reginald decided to travel to the home of Nevi Selsabeth. There, they met Nevi's former roommates, Bingo and Honoria Pinker. The Pinkers told our investigators that Nevi had moved out and left no contact information. Her room contained nothing more than a few loose articles of clothing. Our investigators were, however, made aware that Bingo and Honorio were being watched by mysterious men from the street and street corner. Two men, though never both present at the same time, had been keeping a close eye on their comings and goings. The Pinkers have no idea who these men are, or who they work for or, most importantly, what they want. As the investigators left the home, they were surprised to see one of the watchers had taken up a position at the corner. Reginald and Vadim were able to interact with the man, though he was far from courteous. As they drove away, Vadim watched in the rearview mirror as the mysterious watcher seemingly made note of the tag number. Meanwhile, Felix, Cyrus, and Fuller took a trip to King's Cross to visit an antique shop known as Sweet Relics a small, dimly lit shop sandwiched between a butcher and a barber. The trio tried to find out more about the statue Nevi had presented to the team. The ringing of the small bell that dangled above the door summoned a curious-looking man, short, full-figured, and bandaged on head and hand. Mr. Carl Schweinsauger appeared from the back to greet his patrons. Schweinsauger was familiar with the statue, and the memory of Nevi stirred some strong emotions. He referred to her as a tiger woman, and claimed she had brought him great trouble. He informed them that the bandages were due to Nevi attacking him and that since her visit, he has been followed by strange men who watch his every move. He spoke adamantly of the statue she presented as pure, godlike evil. The three continued their inquiry, and the curious shopkeeper provided a plethora of very interesting information. He spoke first of the 1903 Thompson King Expedition the expedition where much of the British Museum's current Assyrian display originated. He felt that Thompson had an ulterior motive on that expedition, to locate the Temple of Nabu. Thompson failed to find what he was looking for on the 1903 expedition, but a mere decade later, with the death of his partner, King, Thompson got a second chance. Based on the existence of that statue, Schweinsauger said a return trip to Nineveh by Reginald Campbell Thompson in or around 1919 was highly likely, and that on this trip, he found what he was looking for, the Temple of Nabu. The team was then told that a member of the expedition was still alive, although terribly mad, Mr. Peter Simpkin. I heard another name whispered, said Schweinsauger. Guido. Armed with the information, the trio reunited with Vadim and Reginald at the Wentworth, each group presenting their findings to the other to be sure everyone was fully informed. The group then decided to travel together to the home of Peter Simpkins. 
A rap on the door was answered by a meek and troubled voice that simply cried, Go away, please, just go away. The team tried numerous approaches to coax the scared man from his home. The mention of Naboo seemed to intensify his fear, and his stress doubled when the name Thompson was spoken. Fearing the consequences of an extended badgering of the scared and obviously troubled Simpkin, the team felt it best that they simply do as he asked and leave him alone. Felix placed a calling card with a smiley face in the mail slot, and the team made their way back to the Wentworth. In the interest of his personal safety, Reginald took one of the private rooms at the club to sleep in for the night, worried his home may have been compromised by the mysterious stranger that noted his tag number. The other investigators left the club and each headed home. A slight detour by Felix took him past the house of Peter Simpkins, fully illuminated inside, where a very troubled man sat alone, scared to death, fighting against an unknown enemy within himself. Excellent. So, where did we actually end? Did, are, were you still outside, or did you go back to the Wentworth Club? Uh, we had all gone home. That is. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Um, and Reginald, uh, you were sleeping at the uh, the Wentworth Club. Did we do the dream? Yes, you can call it sleep, <clears throat> but I uh, I don't think I slept at all. I spent the night on a black plane, hunted by some unseen beating wings. Okay. Uh, yeah. So it's next next morning. Uh, I assume you're all meeting at the Wentworth Club, and all of the rest of you notice that Reginald is quite visibly paler and he has circles under his eyes and he's very distracted by uh, he looks tired wow reginald you all right looks like you had a rough night yes i uh <clears throat> i didn't so i slept very poorly i haven't slept well uh for the past few days, but last night was a nightmare. Mm. I thought that if I got that thing out of my home, that, that uh, I could relax, but it's not, uh, it's persistent. Do, do you actually think it's a direct connection between have, having that statue in your house and your nightmares, or is it just your nerves? I'm sure it's, you know, the association of the violent murders and you know, the grotesque mm. nature of that thing. But I would like to purge myself of these terrors. Um, and I think the only way we're going to do that is by finding out what's going on here. Um, I trust there's nothing in the papers about anything bad happening to Mr. Simkin. Oh, uh, no. no. Um, or any other notable crimes reported. Just regular old usual things. Can we contact the Clipping House and see if they've found anything that we've been, we asked them to research? Oh, uh, well, what in specific were you looking for? Um, oh, well, one was um, 
The information on the other gentleman that went with Campbell Thompson, Reginald Campbell Thompson. Okay. Um, Peter Simkin, I believe. Uh, I don't even know about it, but they presumably were others. Yeah, anybody, the names of the people that were on the digs. All right. Um, there are a number of names listed as going with uh, Reginald Campbell Thompson uh, on the 1903 dig. Um, some of them are prominent names, you know, that, you know, be, became, you know, university professors and so forth like that all, all over the place. But nothing in particular. I mean, you've got, uh, you've got Reginald uh, uh, Thompson Campbell. Um, you've got uh, Leonard King, Campbell Thompson. You've got Leonard, Leonard King. Uh, those are the only names that still stand out to you. And, and Peter Simkin doesn't seem to be on that list. And also, I think a cross-reference of all the members and all the deceased members, if there were death records for... Yeah, you got it. Okay. Is there an exorbitant amount of? Well, there were probably about 30 people in that whole party. And, and out of those. Two years ago, so some of them are going to be dead no matter what. Right, right. I just didn't know if it was like 19 out of 20 dead or something like, you know. Actually, let me, let me say something else. And there was something else. I just can't recall off the top of my head what we were. Um, yeah, there's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a lot list of names. So, well, the, my main concern was it wasn't like almost all of them, but two are dead is what I wanted to get out. Correct. Of actually, okay. actually on that expedition, there wasn't that, there oh. wasn't a large number of accidents or anything like that. Okay. And there have been no nibbles on my, uh, classified advertisements. Mm -mm. Um, and our appointment with Reginald Campbell Thompson is at 1.30, so we've got some time. Uh, I'd like to uh, go upstairs and see if Mr. Munden is in his usual position. I'd like to show him uh, the image from the base of the statuette on its clay replica, okay. because no books so far have told us anything, and all we know is that Mr. Schweinsauger thought it was a symbol of evil. Okay. Um, Anybody want to come upstairs and meet weird Mr. Munden? I'll join you there, as they say. John, you're muted. I did not want to go. Oh. <laughs> I'll stay here. Stay down here. All right, so some of you are going upstairs to see Mr. Munden. What do the rest of you want to do? Um, basically, I was going to talk with Felix about possibly making a meeting with Guido at some point and how we're going to take care of that. Okay. Go ahead. <laughs> well, let him go upstairs, and I don't want to, yeah. Okay. Um so you go upstairs, and yeah, Mr. Munden's kind of in his usual spot, uh, sipping tea and uh, reading something. 
Hello again, Munden. Good to see you. Ah, Mr. Harper. Good morning. You? Uh, Mr. Uh, Gamontov, as I recall. Yes. Indeed. What can I do for you? Uh, I say, uh, you seem to be a well-read fellow. First, I'd like to thank you for your connection to the museum. It was uh, considerable use to us. I appreciate it. Think nothing of it. Um, I have here a curious artifact, um, and I wonder if it means anything to you. I can't find anything in books. I present him the clay relief. Does this symbol mean anything? Uh, well, or is this, it a symbol? Well, first of all, this isn't uh, an ancient piece. This is fairly new. Uh, it looks like it was made a few days ago. Yes, this is a replica of something that's actually originally in gold, strangely enough. Oh, really? It looks like, well, it looks, um, I'd say on first glance, I'd say it looks definitely like a statue of Naboo, although it's rather unusual in its shape and form. Uh, and this is the symbol on the bottom. It's not cuneiform. No. Doesn't even look related. In no. fact, I can't place it as any written language. I mean, I... In other cultures, I might say a maker's mark, but mm. but I don't know if maker's mark's being used in ancient Samaria. I wondered about the possibility that it was uh, a seal or stamp, but again, usually those are representative either of a figure or, or some writing. Yeah. Does it? So yes. The shape, the shape itself isn't suggestive of anything? Not particularly. It's a little large for a stamp, don't you think? And I'm not sure that, uh, well... A clay stamp. Do they use clay stamps? Well, and again, this is gold in the original, so it might deform over time mm. if that was its purpose. I have no idea. It's a very interesting piece. Uh, where's the original? Uh, the original um, is put away for safekeeping because, as you may be aware, statues of Naboo have become rather um, dangerous to uh, be in uh, possession of. Have they? I guess I haven't been fully uh, frank with you. The, the cause of all of this hullabaloo is that we think that there's a relationship uh, between the recent murder at the British Museum and the death of Lord Raymond in his home. Good Lord. Yes. Both, uh, mm -hmm. both crimes seemed to involve a theft of a statue of Naboo. Well, that's very strange indeed. Yes, usually scribe gods don't run around killing people. Well, and Naboo was one of the most popular of the uh, Assyrian gods. And there are statues of him. There's a, a number of huge statues of him in the British Museum. Um, and a lot of numerous smaller depictions of him, bas-reliefs especially, uh, perhaps they're, they're selling them on the black market or something. There are, there are some collectors, you know, some collectors that will go to great lengths to get a piece of history. Yes, it's true. My good fellow, do you know of anything about, um, how you say, uh, people who are, who are um, well, I hesitate to use the word, um, um, any organizations that uh, that uh, 
are into uh, Assyrian uh, uh, things such as deities and, and such, like Nabu. I mean, are there any any groups functioning today that you know of that like? You mean uh, occult groups? Well, occult or um, or scientific, archaeological sort of thing. Um, you know, I don't really know. I, 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 I'm aware that there are quite a number of spiritualist groups mm -hmm. and uh, uh, groups based on... Um, Oh, there's that uh, Alistair Crowley fellow. I'm very well familiar. That's why. That's why I'm asking you is because there. I mean, these days, for for the past few decades, there there've been groups for everything, and it's kind of hard to uh, follow along. And uh, and uh, who's I'm who and what's what, where's where, you know. I'm afraid I'm just not that up on modern uh, occult groups. I'm sure there's a group for everything. Yes, that's 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 why I asked that since I, I, my sources do not come up with uh, with any groups surrounding Naboo, um, seeing if other people knew of of groups surrounding Naboo out there. Mm. One would imagine that it would all be uh, bookworms. More than likely, yes. <laughs> then again, I don't think that they would be really that interested in occults nonsense. Perhaps. Perhaps. Regarding the antiquity portion of it, do you know of any continuity of Assyrian faith uh, in, the, in, in between the end of the cuneiform era and now? Mm. I know, for example, like there were Isis cultists that were in Malta for a bit in the ancient days. But I don't know of anything, I don't know of any continuity yes. in that regard. I'd almost think that I'd almost like to say that the Assyrian culture, uh, it it sprang up, it grew, it shined brightly, and then it faded rather quickly. Well, it I appears think, to be back in London. I think that the city of Nineveh went from being the hub of the planet, where everyone lived and everybody worked and and traded, to being. Uh, just a, a, a almost wiped out complete city in less than a hundred years. It, it has me thinking there. Um, perhaps this form of Naboo was not the typical uh, form of Naboo because it came from different parts of Assyrian Empire. Maybe conquered lands or, or colonies and such. And they, this is their form of creation. If I was to look at this, and you say that it was made out of gold, which is rather odd. Mm -hmm. I'd almost say that it's it's a, a statue about spiritual enlightenment. You can see that the priest here is bent over and the god is either descending down into him or coming out of him. Uh, he's going from being a normal human to being a Glorif glory, glorified. At least that's the impression. Of course, I'm imposing all of my Western prejudices into the into the thing. We higher ascension. I'm sorry. It has been called in uh, in Western parlance Nabu ascended. So that, that does appear to be hmm. a, a repeated interpretation. Um, I'd also like to ask you, I don't know, you don't seem like a fellow who um, 
partakes enormously in gossip, but there is some rumor going around of a, of a secret expedition to Nineveh after the, sometime after the 1903, um, including uh, a, a fellow named Peter Simkin. Any of that uh, sound familiar at all? Hmm. The name Simkin does sort of ring a bell. Um, the one to ask would be uh, 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 Reginald Campbell Thompson. Yes. I'm afraid he's not going to be entirely forthcoming, uh, but I do plan to speak about it with him. Hmm. Ford, Ford knowledge is forearmed, after all. Well, if you think of anything, um, you know, we're about. I'm not so sure. Ramsel, Ramsey is, I mean, uh, Reginald is, uh, is a fairly serious scientist. He's, uh, yes, but you know, when politics get involved, people can sometimes be compromised. Well, that's true. It's my concern. Anything else I can help you with? Well, nothing comes to mind. Thank you very much, as always, for your um, counsel. Your input is appreciated. Thank you. Certainly. All right, back to the three of you downstairs. Uh, so uh, Fuller and Felix and myself, I assume we're still sitting around the table when the other two gentlemen went upstairs. Once they're out of earshot, I say, so gentlemen, this Guido, uh, he seems like a pretty nefarious character. I'm not sure if Reginald or Vladimir might agree with what I'm saying, but I think we need to make him talk. I agree with that. I, I think the only way we're going to find out what they're doing and what they're looking for is to actually pull them off the street and ask. I'm thinking, I'll be more than happy to help you convince them. I, I figured you would. That's why I, I, I let the other guys go upstairs. So maybe we could break it to them a little more gently than I'm putting it now. But I think we find, you know, find out where he is, who's he's stalking, which apartment, or or if he's at the antique store, if he's stalking uh, Nevi's apartment. Uh, watch him for a little while. Have well, the yeah. It, it, it seems to me that he's followed this He's following this couple that were friends of Nevis. He's following the guy at Sweet's uh, Relics because Nevi was there. He's obviously after Nevi. So right. what, what we should do is just walk past him, talking to ourselves, talking to each other, and mention that we're on our way to meet Nevi. This will encourage the guy to follow us into a back alley. Hopefully he does. Hopefully he doesn't read a, smell a setup. If he's an experienced uh, gangster or whatever, he might not fall for that. Regardless, I think, you know, that could happen. Walk past. I'll walk behind him as he turns around. I'll walk right up behind him, stick my finger in his back, tell him, get in the car, and keep your mouth shut. I like that one, Cyrus. I think that's the way we ought to go. I mean, you know, I'll stick my, and I open up my jacket and I have a pistol hanging on my, I'll, you know, I'll stick my finger in his back. Now we just got to figure out, uh, actually, we don't have to figure out anything. 
You guys ready to go? Let's go. I mean, we, we should wait for the other gentlemen. I, I think it, this could be a group effort. The more the merrier. They did voice their displeasure with that kind of uh, tactic before. Right, but uh, I want to give them the option to at least say no, and then we'll just go and do it. Plus, okay. we also don't want everybody there so that we have at least a couple of people that he doesn't recognize. That he can't pull out of a lineup and say, yes, it was these people. Right, but what I'm thinking is maybe the two of you walk past and do that ploy. One of them is on one side of the street, another's on the other. I know, Reginald could be on one corner. Uh, Vladimir could be on another. So we have eyes everywhere because who knows if he's there by himself. I'm just, you know, safety in numbers and more eyes, you know. And then they can get into a cab and just follow us or go back here or... Well, where should we take them? Uh, could bring them to, bring them, drive down to the docks. Work them out over in the car and ask them questions and dump them off down at the docks after we get the information. Or dump them in the water if he doesn't speak. I mean, you know, I'm not going to kill the guy, but we don't want him coming back after us. Oh, I'm sure if you handle it right, he won't come back and bother us. Well, from my my dealings with people, some people are just thick-headed and they never learn to just walk away. So the others are coming back down the stairs. Hey, Fuller, you want to tell them the good news? So we have decided that we're going to hunt down this Guido and have a few words with him. Uh, hunt down, you say. You figured out where he's at and who he is? No, but we can make assumptions. Mm-hmm. So you're going to go to Bingo and Honoria's block and physically assault any individuals you see loitering. That is correct. Nailed it. Well, we, we, we're kind of hoping you'd, you'd come and point them out to us so we just don't beat up, uh, you know, Mr. Whipple, the store owner or something. But Well, um, I do think uh, since Vadim and I have seen at least one of these uh, individuals uh, and his behavior was consistent with uh, the assumptions we're making that he is in fact part of some potentially violent uh, organization looking for Nevi or the statuette, uh, that at least one of us should be present to point him out. On the other hand, we have never seen one, at least one of the gentlemen who are staking them out. And since I mentioned Nevi to this potential Guido yesterday, uh, they might be uh, on the lookout. Also, you know, we do have a meeting in a, an hour and a half or so with Reginald Campbell Thompson. So oh. presumably you don't want to engage in any reckless acts of violence before that's resolved. No, I figure Great. we could do it after the meeting. Yeah. And by chance, did anyone get a telephone number for the apartment so we could call them and see if he's standing outside? 
Keeper, do we have that or just the address? For who? For Nevis, for Nori and Bingo's place. Uh, they would have given you their phone. Yeah. Yeah, we could even we could even ask them to call here when they see one of their regulars. Uh, at any rate, uh, having had uh, no sleep, uh, endless nightmares, and thinking about the brutal murder of two gentlemen, I'm feeling a little less um, ambivalent about aggressively approaching uh, these uh, wanton gentlemen. Well, I'll get my hands dirty. You don't need to worry yourself about that. I'm also reconsidering a visit to Peter Simpkin because scaring him to death is preferable to having his hands and feet cut off. That's true. So maybe we could um, place the phone call to the apartment, let them know to inform us when the gentleman Guido or whomever is stalking them. We'll go to the meeting at, to meet Reginald Campbell Thompson, swing by our poor frightened fellow, and see what we can accomplish there. And then hopefully by then we'll have a, uh, some information on Guido. I mean, if that's okay with everybody else. In broad strokes, I think it's all reasonable. I agree. Um, though I do think this Guido we are looking for is not the guy who is uh, on the street corner. I think he's, uh, I think he's something else, something bigger. I was kind of thinking that also, but maybe we can get some information at least. All right. Yes. So, I'm sorry, what are you doing first? You are... The meeting. The meeting. Okay. Yeah. All right, so you head back over to the British Museum. I'll say it's about 1.15. The meeting's at 1.30. Um, you go inside and there's a reception desk and you tell them that you have a meeting with, uh, our friend. RCT. RCT. Very good. Where's RCT? There you are. Um, they, uh, point you down a hallway, uh, that will take you to Mr. Thompson's uh, office. And it's down a hallway. It's out outside of the main museum area. So you've gone into the back. You can see there are a number of other offices. There, there are restrooms. There's a sort of a break area. There's a couple of workrooms where people are working on things. Uh, restoration of paintings and, and stuff like that. And there's a large wooden door at the end of the hall that has uh, uh, Campbell Thompson in gold letters on it. What's his title at the museum? Um, he's he's just an archaeologist, but he's a prominent one, obviously. So, I assume you knock on the door, and uh, you hear a voice, uh, uh, come in. Oh, good afternoon, Mr. Thompson. Uh, I'm Reginald Harcourt. Uh, I believe you're expecting us? Uh, yes, uh, please come in. Um, 
My goodness, there's quite a few of you. Yes, quite. I luckily have a capacious office space. Gentlemen, introduce yourselves if you would. Uh, Cyrus Finley, pleasure to meet you. Extend my hand. And he shakes your hand. Felix Matthews. And he shakes your hand. Fuller Albright. He shakes your hand. <laughs> Prince Vadim Gamatov. Pleasure to meet you, sir. Ah, Prince, Russian Prince. Shake your hand. Please, gentlemen. Uh, what can I do for you? Mr. Thompson, um, while I'm honored to meet an archaeologist of your stature, I'm afraid the circumstances are a bit unfortunate. You are aware, of course, of Lord Brightman's death. Ah, yes. He's a good friend. A brilliant archaeologist. Uh, I was quite, uh, quite saddened to hear that he had passed. Did you hear anything about the circumstances of his death? I heard that he was murdered, that somebody had broken into his home looking for God knows what. Well, the particular god who knows is the god Naboo, you see. Oh? Why would you say that? Well, uh, to the best of our information, with some corroboration, the only thing that was stolen from his stately home was the statuette of that god. Well, it's, um, it's a sad state of affairs when we live in a world where people will murder one another for an old bit of rock that uh, you know, has its historic value, but there are, I suppose, some collectors out there who will... I can't believe people would murder one another for something like this. You can come and see it in the museum anytime that you want. Why? Sad. Yes, you see, Mr. Thompson, it is quite sad, but it's also uh, a bit alarming. Uh, and in fact, you in particular might be somewhat concerned because this... Uh, murder and theft was not merely acquisitive. It was rather passionate. Hmm. Would one of you care to describe the, the conditions under which Lord Brightman was found? Well, he was stabbed multiple times. Uh, his hands and feet were cut off. A very uh, specific note was stuffed into his mouth. Um, and he, he was stabbed, what, 26 times or something? 37 times 30. before so. And his My throat God. was cut from ear to ear. My God. So it seems rather like a ritual murder to us, you see. And the note said, Curse be the plunderer. Uh, he cannot avoid discovery. His reward is death. Hmm. You can all do a psychology poll. We only know ancient minds. I failed it. Failed it. Any passes? Nope. Okay. <laughs> I don't even have. I don't even have the skill. So. <laughs> yeah, I think we're all at ten. Yeah, makes sense. Uh, well, I could spend nine luck points if it's worth it. I rolled a nineteen. No. Nah. Mister right. Thompson. Oh. You said no one would kill each other over a chunk of rock. 
This wasn't rock. This was solid gold. And not that one. The one that uh, was taken from Thompson's was stone. You mean Brightman's? Brightman's, yes. Just point so of order. you know where it was from? The Brightman's. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm confused about the, the question that's being said. I, you know, I think Felix was confused about which statue it was which, which. Yeah, or were you trying to trick me? No, no. I think I tricked myself. Oh, okay. Too, too many statues. Yep. Because you could have been being really clever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm actually, I'm, I'm, Felix, I'm holding out of the gold one. Oh, okay. Got it. Got it. Got well, it. Uh, it's, it's a terrible, you said this had to do with something, though. <clears throat> yes, well, um, you know, you also, of course, heard about the uh, murder that took place here in the museum. Ah, yes, Mr. Glossop. Mr. Glossop. Uh, do you know what was stolen tragic. when Mr. Glossop was killed? I'm sorry, that there was something stolen. Mm, a stone bust of Naboo. Again with Naboo. That's very strange. So um, as an Assyriologist, I think that you might be somewhat concerned that there is something peculiar going on. <sighs> you know, I'm not always told these things. I'm certainly not in charge of the, of the, of the uh, museum. Uh, of course not. It's, uh, it seems that, uh, I mean, I know that the museum would take very dimly on the idea of something being stolen. Uh, uh, things get misplaced all the time, I've been told, and show up later. Yeah, but the uh, curator uh, was killed and the item was stolen. It wasn't a misplaced. Once again, some, some madman who is thinks that he wants a piece of what amounts to a piece of art uh, and willing to kill for it, that's, that's insane. Yes, in fact, it, there does seem to be a degree of insanity involved, which uh, further suggests that you might have reason to be concerned yourself. After all, if Lord Brightman was considered a plunderer, so might you be, wouldn't you think? Yeah. I imagine. It sounds a rescuer, I would consider myself, but uh, uh, I don't know. It sounds to me like... Uh, Someone is trying to throw you off track, perhaps, with uh, nonsensical stuff. Though well, we're not Scotland Yard. Very, just... very disturbing. I, I'm sorry. Are you? Are you? Don't seem to be private investigators. Or... No, 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 no. Not private nor public. We're members of the Wentworth Club, primarily concerned about a series of crimes. Ah, um, now I see the connection. If you're with the Wentworth Club, yes. All right. And you called Lord Brightman a good friend. Did you uh, dig with him often? Yes, he's been, I've been on digs with him, yes, certainly. Um, and uh, Peter Semkin, have you spoken to him lately? Uh, Peter? Yes, I'm afraid Peter's probably a bit shell-shocked, if you will. The last time I, I heard that uh, he wasn't doing very well. Are you, f how is he? He's not very well. Do you know what triggered his shell shock? 
I can't really say. He wasn't, he seemed perfectly normal uh, in the last dig we were on together. And which dig was that, Great Um, 1903. So he wasn't with you on the 1919? Uh, I beg your pardon? The 1919 dig. Or the one from which the gold statuette of Naboo was recovered. From the uh, the Temple of Naboo when it was discovered. Who are you? Curious citizens who are trying to prevent a series of murders from continuing, Mr. Thompson. I'm sorry. Sir, uh, I think that you must be mistaken about... There was no dig in 1919. I... Uh... I traveled to Iraq because my friend. Oh, who am I trying to fool? How do you know about the 1990 dig? It's quite public knowledge. It's public knowledge. Jesus Christ. Well, all the public we've spoken to. We've been digging about. It's supposed to be a secret. It, I understand. There are political reasons. We're concerned about who might still be alive that was on that dig, because I fear that other lives are in danger. Yours included, Mr. Thompson. Well, there's not very many of us that are still alive. Brightman just recently died. Simkin, Simkin is still alive, though I'm not sure what condition he's really in. Uh, there's Terrence McElvoy. Uh, there's Willard Punchin. And uh, I don't think there's anybody else uh, around. Uh, Was Mr. Glossop involved in the 1919 dig? No, Mr. Glossop is a assistant curator here. Was. But was he going through the undocumented items that uh, came from the dig? That's the connection we're trying to make. It seems like everyone who touches the stuff from the 1919 dig is winding up dead. Which is why we're here to speak to you. I'm today. sure what you're speaking about just happens to be some strange coincidence. People die all of the time. People claimed that the, the people who found the Tutankhamun tomb were all cursed. And the thing is, they were all men who had heart attacks and were old and they just died. Andrew King just died. He died of a heart attack. And Mr. McElvoy and Mr. Punchin are still alive. Of those who have passed away from the expedition not to be named, did all of those die of heart attacks and common colds? Or were there other violent acts? Well, I'm, I'm sorry. I must insist that anything that I speak to you about here has to stay in this room. Agreed. The British Museum, the British Museum funded us, let's uh, start at the beginning, 1903. We had a two-year expedition to Iraq. We were attempting to excavate the Mound of Nebuyunis, which is what we were there for. But as we were working, we began to uncover bits of evidence that seemed to indicate that we might be able to find the legendary Temple of Nabu. 
and it took us a while, but eventually we located the area that it should begin, and we began a small exploratory dig. And at the time, we reached pretty much the end of our funding, and we had to return to London, but we did find it. We found it, and we hid it. We sealed it up. We kept it a secret, and King and I had intended to go back as soon as we could get funding. There were some problems with the Iraqi government. There was, uh, it's not an easy thing. Museums have a lot of beautiful things, but they don't always have money. And it wasn't until 1919, 1918, that the museum told us that they would be able to fund a return trip and that we would be able to go back. And then King died. He died of a heart attack. He was actually very excited about the whole thing. And then he died of a heart attack. But I pushed forward. I said, I'll go instead. And I gave the pretext that I was just mourning my lost friend. But we took a team back. Simkin was on it and uh, Mr. McAvoy. And, uh, we went and uh, we uncovered the temple. And we also uncovered the royal uh, library. And we brought the artifacts back. And the museum is currently under construction to build a display. And that's not too sensitive right now with the government in Iraq? Or is the pretense going to be that all of these things were acquired in 1903? No, they simply don't know. Once the exhibit is public, though. It's too late. It's, um, possession is nine-tenths of the law, as they say. And again, someone seems to know. We don't think that these murders are coincidental. They happened four days apart. There were accidents when we went back. We were there secretly. The locals were not really informed. A few of the, the, the immediate locals, those near nearby, figured out what we were doing. Uh, but they weren't connected to the government, so they really didn't know. But we had a couple of accidents. Uh, one of our team members, uh, Thomas Banksmith, uh, was crushed under a large uh, piece of the temple that uh, collapsed on top of him. And later, there were a couple of workers that were murdered. I believe they were murdered. Uh, their bodies were mangled. Uh, but we, we pressed on. Accidents happen. And we don't give in to superstition very easily. No, curses are a lot of barbaric nonsense. And digging is a dangerous enterprise. Do you think that the statuette that we know was stolen from Lord Brightman when he was murdered? Now, you say things have been stolen. Yes, the statuette you're talking about, the strange one, the, the stone one. Yes, that was from the temple. The gold one. You, you said gold one. Yes. I think there was a gold one as well. That's also been stolen. 
Yes. <sighs> Gentlemen, I'm, I'm at a loss. I don't know what's going on. Obviously, I have to uh, do a much stronger assessment of things. Do you think that uh, Terence McAvoy or William Punchin might have souvenirs from the 1919 dig as well? Yes, it's very likely. Do you want to tell them that they're, they might be in danger or should we do so? It might be interesting for us to talk to them anyway. I haven't spoken to them in quite some time. And do you know really why Peter Simkin is so terrified? People go crazy. Nothing in particular happened to Lord him. Brightman himself was acting rather strange this last year. Hmm. He used to be a frequent visitor, and uh, I haven't seen him in a long time. I hadn't seen him in a long time. I'm told that he had some form of dementia. He was growing reclusive, I understand. Felix, do a uh, spot hidden. Twelve. On uh, 65, so that's a extreme. Um, as you're standing in his office, now you can imagine that his office is lined with books and and papers and artifacts. He's got artifacts all over the place and, and things like that. And uh, you're getting a little tired of standing there, so you sort of lean on a, a counter, and you realize that you've put your hand on what looks like a journal. How big is this journal? It's not very big. Little, little thing like that. Looks like a fancy, something from the 1920s. Well, from your modern for you guys. Um, but uh, 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 Campbell Thompson is, is speaking to Reginald, so he's not looking in your direction. I'll take that. I'll actually... I'll just op I, I can just open it up and start reading in it, right? Well, that might be noticed, but if you All when right. you open it up, you do see it's Reginald's journal. In that case, I'm going to try to uh, take that without okay. him knowing that I've got it. Okay, I don't think you need to roll for it. It's easy enough to. I made fifty nine on sixty anyway on sleight of hand. Okay. Um. Mr. Thompson, could I ask you a question? Of course, please. Yes. You uh, already you... know all of the answers. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know who brought forth the funding for the 1919 dig and who, who had interest in it on the financial level? The entire British Museum, the Board of Directors. Came from the Board of Directors. Yes, why wouldn't they? Hmm. Anyone in particular on the Board of Directors? Um... No, it would be something that would be voted on by the entire board. So no one in particular uh, had a had a specific uh, uh, interest in in making sure you had the funds to make this happen. All of them would have had interest in us going there and getting all of these artifacts out of. Uh, so so basically, they they knew that you had found the Temple of Naboo, and uh, this was a priority for them to to ensure that the uh, expedition happens. No, and yes. I had, we had made it clear to them that we had reason to believe that we would be able to find it. That's do, in do, part why it took so long, but we were very careful not to reveal that we actually had found it already. We didn't want anybody 
any chance of anybody going there and getting to it before we did. That was wise. Now, do you know a Mr. Guido? Guido sounds Italian. No, I don't know anybody with the last name Guido. Or first name? Or is it a first name? No. All right. Nothing to me. Is, is there any, uh, again, if you don't mind me asking, uh, going to these, with this new display that's coming up, is there any uh, um, particular patron to this, uh, assisting in the British Museum in, in having this display uh, be put together and, and, and uh, put out well, for the public? You're, you're asking, uh, it doesn't really work that way. I mean, obviously the British Museum has numerous patrons, mm. uh, but the British Museum is, is, is rather restricted. Uh, they're not restricted by the patrons on what they do with their money. Um, they've sp they're sparing no expense at this, but uh, just, it's, just not, it's not knowledge outside because mm. of exactly, I don't know how you all Managed to track down so much information. This is supposed to be a secret. It's taken many days. You you can't say anything until the uh, until the British Museum makes the announcement. When is the exhibit to open? Not until next year. And you said that in addition to Nabu's temple, you found the associated library. This was a large number of cuneiform texts. Exactly. Who's in charge of translating them? Oh, I don't think that they're translating them. They've, uh, they are being uh, examined. Uh, Mr. Glossop was working on part of that collection, though he was told it was, it was, it was the continuance of the 1903. As no. I say, they're being, the, the museum is being incredibly careful with who it's letting know. Now, you said some of the workers were, uh, you believe, might, might have been killed. Their bodies were mangled. Do you know of any group or organization that would want to put a stop? I know they're, they don't want the British in Iraq. I understand that. But specifically, any underground groups or nefarious beings that really want to put a stop to it? Not just the political well, distance and stuff. When we were there, some of the locals were very threatening. You know, they're superstitious. They believe in magic and curses and things like that. And you say the bodies were mangled. How were they mangled? They'd appeared to be cut up. feet and hands as if they'd been lacerated all over hmm. it's a very unpleasant memory yes I'm sure it was very unpleasant for Lord Brightman as well oh. um, another question if I may um were there any unusual trappings that of a religious or perhaps even, I dare say, uh, a cult nature to the Temple of Nabu that stood out? Uh, something odd and unusual? Um, it was a, a temple to a, an Assyrian god. Everything was a cult. 
from our particular point of view. But nothing that really uh, focused in on the on the religious occult nature beyond it being the temple of a of a god. Well, the artifacts inside were all part of the temple artifacts. That... Uh, along with uh, Vladim's uh, question, now Naboo is normally depicted as the scribe god, but we seem to see this Naboo ascending now that is in a different um, depiction of him. Is there that are, unique? There are numerous depictions of Naboo. But Perhaps the most common is with him simply standing with his hands together, or holding, holding, a, holding the, uh, holding the tablets of life, as they're sometimes called. What other uh, notable depictions of Naboo, uh, other than the two that we, or three that we have discussed? Uh, there's, are there? there's numerous depictions out in the the museum itself. Uh, gentlemen, I am I am afraid I am running out of time. However, just one one last quick. If you if you don't mind, and, and it's about Simkin because he's really in a bad way. It, do you remember anything specific that he may have taken home as a souvenir, uh, or if he did anything? <clears throat> I I can't think of anything specifically. Okay. To be honest, we are the archaeologists. We all took home things. Yeah. Oh, well, it's understandable. It just it it to hear him to hear him behind that wall and afraid to even open a door the state that he's in. Uh, you should uh, perhaps have them come and take him to an asylum or something. Uh, that would probably kill him where he stood. Poor guy. But I don't mean to hold you up. Uh, to be uh, cautious, Mister Thompson. Uh, I think that we seem perhaps a bit obsessive, but there is cause to be alarmed. Um, thank you for your time. Uh, and as uh, as we go, it was odd, I thought, that there was any golden statuary in an Assyrian context. Was that the only golden artifact in the temple? That I recall. Well, I'll look to see if there's anything else when the exhibit opens next year. Thank you for your time. Thank you. I will look into some of this immediately. Thank you very much, sir. Contact us at the Wentworth Club if you remember anything that, or anything happens that you wish to tell us about. Or if you have any questions of us. Yes, of course. Please be careful. All right. So you leave his office and you make your way back out into the uh, the museum proper. Um, Felix, when he mentioned about having uh, Simpkin committed, actually, if that, I mean, it might not be bad. What kind of life can he have sitting behind the door crying? If he's at least in an institution, one, he'd be protected behind padded doors. People couldn't get to him to kill him. And two, we can gain access to his house to look for the artifact. That's true. I wasn't really thinking about all that. I was just trying to, basically trying to trick him into... Oh, I, I know. If he was holding it, anything back, I mean, to be honest with you, I really... The guy's going to cry in his house. I mean, there's people that do that all the time that really have nothing wrong with them at all. It's just what they do for their spare time. Yeah. 
but um, don't exactly share your sentiments at that, Cyrus. But he knows more than what he's letting on, I think. He does, and we need to carefully try and find out as much as we can from him. You know, upstairs when Vadim and I spoke to Mr. Munda and he told us that um, he thought Reginald would be very forthcoming. Uh, and we found that he is a liar as far as he can get away with. Something to be mindful of. Uh, gentlemen, I could uh, sorely use a uh, stiff drink, but I would like to go into the, the Syrian Sumerian wing before we leave and look at all the Naboos we can find and see if there are any other significant forms that might suggest the one that we know. Agreed. Or perhaps a progression of form. Quite. Okay, well, I'll just tell you that in the Syrian wing, you do find a number of different depictions of him. There's, of course, the common, there's a, there's a very large statue. It's kind of a centerpiece to the Assyrian wing of Nabu. Um, I think it stands like 15 feet tall. And it's just, it's Nabu standing, I think, with his hands kind of like this. And um, there are bas-reliefs with uh, Nabu with his four wings in a chariot uh, and being dragged by uh, strange-looking, what look to us like monsters. And there's... Uh, he has a dragon that he rides, doesn't he? Yes, there's kind of a, a, a dragon that he rides. Uh, and... Um, there's things where he's fighting and there's things where he's writing in his book, the, uh, the Tablets of Life. Supposedly he writes, everything that he writes in the book is what happens in the real world. Those sound very powerful. All right, so... I have a quick question for any uh, any staff that's. It, it, I guess it would have to be like almost a uh, an inventory staff. I, I I'm not super fluent in museum titles, but the people who document the uh, document the the artifacts as they come in and assign them the control numbers. Um, well, the curator, you know, like the assistant curators, like Glossop he was busy at that time documenting all of the uh documenting and uh all of their their uh contents what they have right um, the reason i the reason i ask is because we have the catalog number of the gold statue that we know was found in the 1919 dig so chances are consecutive catalog numbers are going to be items that were also pulled from that same 1919 dig. See, we have the 25B254-12 on the gold statue, which perhaps 25B254-13 may be the item that was picked up next or pulled out of the box that all of it came back with. I'm just wondering if there was more, if there were more items that came from that and maybe that would steer us or give us some kind of idea okay um probably your best contact you've already made here is Mr. yeah yeah 
if you have a, I mean, yes, if you have a specific question for Longton about that, we could leave him a note, even if he's not available right now. Yeah, that'd be good. Leave him a note, and then we can just swing back by at our convenience to see if he replied. Yeah, or ask him to contact the club. Yep. He yeah. was friendly enough. Yep. Okay. Uh, anything that you give to the reception, we'll get to the proper uh, curator, scientist, whatever. So you're asking for consecutive, yeah, things. Yep. Basically, you know, maybe five before, five after, just a, a, to get us in the neighborhood of what other types of items were pulled from there. Okay. And, and whether or not, you know, that may be what's sitting in Captain Crazy's house or, or wherever, you know, over Simpkins. Okay. All right. So you, you give that message and now you're leaving the British Museum. What are you going to do? I think it might be time to go see uh, the Pinkers. Um, wait, Guido? Or, oh, yeah. Yep. So can we place a call back to the club to see if the roommates had called that they spotted Guido or somebody watching, you know, out in the corner again? The club isn't far from the museum, is it? Not too far, no. Again, I'd like a stiff drink after that meeting. And we can find we can call from there if we haven't got a message back. I do agree. A stiff drink is, is much needed. Okay. So for now, you head back to the Wentworth Club and you go in, and uh, Mr. Sykes uh, brings you whatever you need, whatever you'd like, a whiskey or a gentleman, your whiskey. Thank you, sir. Thank you. And we have no messages. Uh, no. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna call the Pinkers. If anybody's home, is anybody outside? Um, you call their house, but you don't get an answer. Um, they both are working people. Uh, gentlemen, then. Um, because they're not home does not mean that their home is not being watched. Uh, were we thinking two cars? Yes, definitely. Um, since uh, Vadim and I might be recognized, we should. F I don't. I am not familiar with um, espionage. How would you go about such a thing? Well, first, oh. Oh, go go go, Felix. Uh, you know, I, 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 uh, before we go, and now that the alcohol is kind of running through the body, I look around to see if anybody else is around this table other than just this group. Just this group. I got his journal. You what? What? Yeah, I, yeah, I stole the hell out of, uh, out of his journal. Right oh, off his table. So that's nice. how you espionage, in case you were wondering. <laughs> you got to start with information. And here is Reginald Campbell Thompson's journal from 1920. Well done. From the journal of Reginald Campbell Thompson. 1903. Each day we grew closer to making a discovery. 
At last, our efforts yielded some fruit, but it was too close to the end of our allotted time, and our funds were running low. We made a pact, King and I, to hide any evidence of our discovery until such a time that we could return and fully uncover it. The Temple of Naboo would be the most significant find of the 20th century. 1918. All of the arrangements are in place for our return to Nineveh next year. We are being fully backed by the British Museum. King is almost as excited as I am. We will have to be very close mouth about it, considering the growing situation with the Iraqi government. August 1919. My good friend and colleague Leonard King is dead. His heart gave out. I am deeply saddened, but this should not delay our efforts. He would want me to forge ahead. September 1919. It is exactly as we have left it, untouched and unexplored. Not just the Temple of Naboo, but the Royal Library as well. What a treasure trove of history is laid before us. All of it must be shipped back, everything, but all in secret. We cannot allow these artifacts to be lost to history. Early October 1919. The work has been delayed. Some of the workers are afraid of something. They claim to be attacked by strange animals and occasionally by some of the locals. There have been thefts despite there being posted four guards at all times. Now we are having accidents. Thomas Banksmith was killed by a partial cave-in and two of the workers went missing, their bodies later showing up horribly mutilated. I'm told that the desert can do a lot of damage to a body, but this looked more to me like foul play. Late October, 1919. While leaving my tent to relieve myself, it was about 10.30 in the evening when I was accosted by a sinister-looking Iraqi dressed all in black except for a red turban. I asked him who he was, and he said, one of many who seek to keep the past asleep and undisturbed. He warned me that by opening the Temple of Naboo, I risked unleashing a great evil and that a curse would fall upon me and on everyone associated with the expedition. He said that there were things that should never be touched, that possessing such a thing would bring a terrible curse upon the person. The dead will have their revenge, he said, then disappeared into the night. Superstitious nonsense, I say. Most recent entry. With the death of Lord Brightman a few days ago, there are only a few of us left from the 1919 expedition. Terence McAvoy, 34 Haven Road, W6. Peter Simpkin, 85, Lavender Grove, E8. Willard Punchin, West Sussex. Well, that'll help us find Punchin and McAvoy. And it, again, galls me how much Thompson was pretending not to be concerned about any of this. I think we just confirmed to him that uh, Flau Play is being involved with this situation. We also confirmed that anybody touching these items is starting to have some bad things happen to him. Mm. I wonder why he thinks he's safe. Maybe he doesn't Probably think he's safe. For him, by, by stating it, stating the obvious, that's why he excused himself so abruptly. I Cyrus, you're really quiet. I think he just came to the real <laughs> sigh. I think he just came to the realization when we brought up the facts to him. I think he might just be coming to terms with the actuality of the situation now, and that's why he uh, ended the meeting abruptly. 
least also mm. confirms that there is group out there that knows about Temple of Naboo that uh, seeks to protect. Yes, yes, the red turban. That's what we'll red call them turban. for now. Yeah. That's something and you, to look into. Hindsight's twenty twenty. I wish we would have waited outside and see where he went at right after he left the museum. But mm. too late. Excellent work, Felix. Are you going to mail it back to him? No, no. Uh, when I go by to check for uh, a response on that on that catalog, I may try to slip it back in there or, you know, more than likely, I'm just going to throw it in the trash. I mean, I'm just going to be honest here. You'll get caught putting something back more times than you'll get caught stealing it. Well, that's why I thought the post might be in order. He'd not append it or turn address. I think he'll know. Yeah, I mean, he's, we're the only ones that came in his office, I'm sure, for quite a while. Certainly the only ones chasing him down about the 1919 expedition. Could, could I offer an uh, alternative? Perhaps we uh, put the uh, journal with the statue for safekeeping. There might be more with that journal that we haven't seen yet. We've just given the cursory, what's the word? Cursory. Cursory view on it. And, uh, and um, there might be more. Yeah, or there I, might I, be something there that's specific to to Thompson that uh, we cannot see, that might prove useful. There's a certain poet poetic touch to it as well that I like. The information mm -hmm. and the object will be together. Yes. Uh, my question: I, I, oh, Whether sorry. we want to postpone the great Guido snatch, since the uh, Pinkers aren't at home. I wonder if we should look into visiting McAvoy and Punchin. Uh, and ascertaining their health and well-being. We can we can be look, more urgent. Yes, we can look for uh, the more nefarious elements later. All right, um, but instead of actually going to the bank where um, Reginald put the statue, I think none of us should be seen going to that bank. Why don't we just leave it in one of the safes here? It, it will be fine here, and it's only a journal. Nobody no, will a, touch it. No problem. All right. That's cool. Yeah, so I don't think any of us should go to that bank if somebody's following us. Like, it's there, it's safe, we know where it is, and that's it. Leave it there until we absolutely, utterly need it. Yes, if the red turban can infiltrate the Bank of England, then we have greater problems than we know. Exactly. Based on their addresses, I assume that Terence McAvoy is closer than Willard Pynchon. Do we want to go farther out of town and then catch... McAvoy on the way back. Um, we can, you should add uh, them to your clipping service, Cyrus, just in case either one of them has any notable history. All right. Um, also, to be clear, you have Terrence McAvoy's address. You don't have Willard Pension's address. Right, just, just, a, just an area. Yeah. So before we leave the club, I'll call the clipping service and add those two names to the list. Okay. But I flip through the white pages real quick and see if I can snag the other one's address. The one we um, don't have, the one in West Sussex. Punchin. Uh, yeah, you don't have it. It's not there. Mm, unlisted. And West Sussex, we know, would be a conurbation of some tens of thousands of people. Yeah. 
but he's another one of these people that you can eventually find. You know. Perhaps we should go by the Pinker's house and check and make sure they are okay. Fuller, do you just want to punch somebody? No, I want to make sure they're okay. <laughs> I could do that on the way back from uh, inquiring into the other gentleman. And yes, they would I've... be home at that time, too, because it is still working hours. Yes, again, we know both the Pinkers have jobs during the day, so it's not surprising they haven't answered. Um, so do we agree, Terrence McAvoy? We could also go two ways. I mean, somebody could check out the Pinkers and some of us could, after all, Mr. Thompson did express surprise that five of us barged into his office. Hmm. Um, Let's for more ground that way. If we do, well, my theory on if we do run into this Guido or whoever it is, I would prefer the group of us there just in case. You never know if somebody is down the block making sure he's okay. And then when we go to do what we need to do, we have two or three more thugs running up behind us and we don't know. Another set of eyes across the street on the top of a set of stairs that can look out and see everything can scream and yell to me to turn around before somebody approached me from behind. Maybe I'm overthinking it, but I've never well, really- American perspective, I believe. <laughs> The Yankee no, ingenuity. I think he's got a good idea. Being aware of situation is always uh, beneficial. But you're all going to go to Terrence McAvoy's first? Yeah, we don't all have to go in, but we'll all stick together at least. All right. So you drive across town to Hebron Road uh, in, in West London, and... Um, uh, you approach Terence McAvoy's. Uh, it's a small, semi-attached house. Uh, it's on Hebron Road. Um, it looks like a regular, everyday. You know, it's a it's a house in a amongst houses. Doesn't seem to be much activity. There's you know people walking their dogs and stuff over there and whatever, but nothing in particular right where you were. Uh, you get out, and as you look up at the house, as you approach, you can see that all of the curtains are drawn on the bottom floor. Been down this road before, I think. So what do you think? Just two of us? So it was not to seem like a mob? Yeah. <laughs> Cyrus, you want to go around back? Uh, yeah, I was going to say, I, I'm thinking about going around back anyway. Okay. Everything. Americans near gangster films. So who's going up the up up to the front of the house? I'll go up to the door. Okay. Give it a rap. Uh, there is no answer. Is there a mail slot? Uh, there is. I'm gonna give it a little little peek. Um, you don't see much. It's just a room, an entry hall. Well, I'm peering around to see if the neighbors are watching. You don't see any neighbors. Case the joint. <laughs> Do I see any of the curtains move as if somebody were? No. Nah. I really don't think anybody's home here. Do a spot hidden, Felix. 43 on 65. 
Okay. You don't see anything, but you get a whiff of something like rotten meat. Ew. What's the matter, Felix? There's a there's a stink. <laughs> there's a stink coming out of his mail slot here. It's uh it's not a good it's not a good stink. It's a it, it's maybe we may be too late here. Uh, I got a I don't want to go in, but I think we should call some. We should call the police to have them go in. Maybe we can get a hold of Brinslow specifically in case it's a similar-looking situation. I don't want to be found over a dead stranger. Is there a Three. telephone box nearby? Oh yeah, I'm sure there would be. It'd be so, down at the end of the block. I'm going to call Scotland Yard and see if I can get Brinslow. I'm going to walk around back and tell Cyrus, don't touch anything. There's, you might as well come on and get in the car. <laughs> All right. Brinslow. Uh, um, Detective Brinslow, this is Reginald Harcourt. Hi, uh, Mr. Harcourt. I, uh, I might have uh, some useful news for you, but I think it's unfortunate. Someone oh. associated with Lord Brightman uh, has a home on West River, uh, and we've come to pay him a visit, and I'm afraid he might be another victim. What's the address again? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I do enjoy writing those down. Hebron Road. Okay. Hebron Road. Um, on the west side. All right. Um, and you say you there's a there's somebody dead. Are you sure? Uh, no one. Uh, we have not been admitted, but there's a, a a scent that suggests foul play, and we know that he was associated specifically with Lord Brightman. All right. Um, give me ten minutes, and I'll I'll be there. Thank you kindly. I hope I'm not wasting your time. I'm afraid I'm not. So. What do you guys want to do for 10 minutes while you're here? Or just wait? I, I am actually thinking we, we leave Reginald here and we get out of here so we're not attached to this dead body in this house. But that might be my different thinking. I just don't want, to get, I don't want us to get blamed for killing this guy. I don't think, I mean, there's no entrance to the house and we've already spoken with him that we were going to help him, not help him investigate, but we were already investigating, and if we found anything out, we'd call him. So My already... thought also, Felix, is that if you can smell rotting meat through the mail slot, it's not going to look like a recent crime of passion. Ah, you guys. I'm more of a history guy myself. You guys are the scientists. <laughs> um, we do have two vehicles. If you want to spend your time productively uh, waiting at the Pinkers, that's would true. We, I don't want to take not your want car to, there, though. Would we not want to have a look at the uh, our other uh, gentleman who's uh, who's potentially on the list? We don't have an address. address for him. 
we, we only know generally where he lives, not specifically. Perhaps Brinslow will even be able to use some police directory to find him more more specific way. And I would like to see what's happened inside the presumably deceased Mr. McAvoy's place. So I want to stick around. That's actually a good idea, Reginald. Think, say, if we bring it up to him and say he might be also in trouble, maybe he could more than likely come up with an address. Or even send someone out safe in welfare check. Yep. Someone ahead of us. All right. So 10 minutes go by and a car, car pulls up and uh, Brinslow and another officer, one who is dressed more like a, a policeman, a cop, um, they get out of the car and they see you and they come walking up and he says, uh, Mr. Harcourt, he says, uh, you say there's no answer. Let me try. He knocks on the door. What makes you think that, they, that uh, there's something wrong? Smell the slot. He looks at the, uh, the other guy. Smell the slot? <laughs> I don't smell the slot. I'm the one in charge. Uh, and the, the guy does. He smells the slot and he says, it does smell like there might be something wrong. And uh, he says, well, open the door. So uh, the guy shoulders the door open. And indeed, the door opens. And the smell is stronger, but it's, I mean, you can definitely smell it's there. Um, and he steps inside. And he says to you, he says, please don't touch anything. Um, as he steps inside, uh, what do you guys do? I'll follow inside. Okay. If he lets us, yeah, I'll follow right. You know, not he said don't touch anything. Nothing. He said don't touch anything. He didn't say stay here. Is there any way to glance around from from without barging all in and seeing any kind of statue or relic that is inside, maybe on display in his foyer or in a china hutch or some other um, furniture? Well, what you do notice is the place looks like it's had a going over. Like uh, there's definitely some things that have fallen off the mantle and they're broken on the ground. Uh, it looks like, you know, there's any place that you might be able to hide something has been opened up. Um, it's definitely been ransacked. And uh, about that time, you'll you hear uh, the uh, the lieutenant say, uh, uh, "Yes, there's something in here." And uh, the detective goes, "It's the like the, the the not the library. What do I want to say? The den, the the parlor, whatever it is." And they step in there. So you guys are alone in this room for a few minutes, and you do see that there are a number of Assyrian related artifacts here and there, but they they've been they may have been picked up and set back down again, but they weren't taken. And there are other valuables in the room that were simply not taken. Uh they were looking for something. That's been the 
that's been the MO since the beginning. They're looking for specific things and leaving other valuable items behind. So not really per se a robbery. They were looking for something very specific. The um, the uh, assistant, the, the cop, uh, he suddenly uh, comes halfway out the the doorway uh, from the, the the whatever it is the, the parlor, and he's green. I mean, he's just like he looks like he's going to retch. Not inside. Go outside. I just well, I he, look at I look at him and say, hands, feet. He he moves to the, the, the doorway and uh um Prince, uh, Prince comes to the, the door and he looks out at you and he says, Well you, you seem to be involved in this investigation. Uh it's rather gruesome. You wanna have a look? Yeah. I think it's necessary. Yeah. All right. Um, as you approach the door, you can hear the sound of buzzing. And when you look through the room, there is a cloud of flies. Mm. And Terrence McAvoy lies on the ground on his back, maggots crawling all over him, flies everywhere, his clothing ripped and torn, and a very obvious major wound going from one ear all the way to the other ear. It's all putrefying. Is his feet and hands cut off? Uh, They aren't. But uh, could you do a uh, constitution roll? Constitution roll. I was you say sanity roll. Oh, six. (laughs) Oh, nine. Oh, nine. That Bunny brandy I had quickly really goes out of the room. I'm eating lasagna while I'm looking at this. <laughs> I, I Very quickly. Stand, standard pass. Okay. So if uh, you didn't pass, then yeah, you've got to run out of the room immediately. It's uh, horrible. Tom, I'm going to go ahead and make a sanity roll after after that too, because it was. You can do sanity rolls. It's hor- It's it's incredibly. Awesome. Um. I made it. With is he captain? It's Detective Brinslow. Detective. I'm not sure yes. what his... Detective. Yeah. M- might you take a look in his mouth and see if there's anything placed inside? He looks at you like, fuck you. <laughs> hey, I, gr- I got the old sick. Oh, six. I can pry it open. Uh, all right. So you start, you start looking the guy over. He doesn't have anything in his mouth. Okay, so that kind of blows that idea. What, uh, given that we had such successful constitution rolls, but we have no forensics, what do we think? Two days? A week? We have no idea? A month. A month. Yeah. Yeah, so so he's ass. really... Yeah, he's, he's covered in... Uh, I tell you, there's no way we can tell if he'd been roughed up prior to having his throat cut. God, not after a month. Yeah, I didn't figure that much, but hey. Are right. there other stab wounds or just a throat slit? Was you know, it's, it's hard to tell because there's a lot of putrefaction. Yeah, he's, but fuck, 
He's fucking liquid at this point. Well, the clothes, the clothes <laughs> might have holes. It looks like he probably did struggle. Okay. Well, that blows my idea because he's obviously not a victim of the one that um, got Lord Brightman because it's, they weren't killed in the same way. This well, guy. Brightman has throat slit. It yes, might just be a, a hierarchy. You know, the one who's in charge gets the feet in the hand treatment and the servant only is terribly murdered. And, you know, the, the workers back in Iraq were, you know, mangled, but it wasn't necessarily very ritual. I'm well, not I saying... You... I can't argue the point with you. I mean, obviously. I mean, at this point in time, it is just a guessing game. I'm just saying is, is that the MO of this crime is completely different than Lord Brightman. Cyrus, do a spot hidden for me. Forty-six out. Uh, oh, I could spend one point of luck. Okay. All right. So I just got a standard success. Um, on his mantle, there is um, kind of a little small album of photographs, and as you look at them. Uh, you notice that it shows McAvoy uh, in foreign climes uh, at various archaeological digs. And one of them uh, shows him standing with Thompson uh, at the entrance of what looks to be a deep passageway down into the ground. Anything else there? Or... That's what you find. Uh, is the picture matted down or is it loose? Maybe I could turn it over, see if there's like a date or a, um, you know, uh, you, Yes, you turn it over and it says uh, Nineveh 1919. Um, hmm. All right. Can uh, I just put that in my uh, jacket pocket? Do a stealth roll to see if you can do that without uh, being noticed. Detective Brinslow. Yes, sir. I wave it around in the air and I drop it three times. <laughs> I miserably <laughs> failed that. Detective Brinslow, we have one other name. Uh, the only other member of the same archaeological dig that Lord Brightman and this gentleman attended. We don't have an address for him, but perhaps you'll want to send someone to West Sussex to look for a withered puncheon. Luke Punchin, he writes that down in his thing. All right, we'll look into that. Uh, so you're, I'm you're... sorry that our help has been so uh, late in coming. Your, your theory is that these are all related in some way. That's very interesting. You'll uh, notice the ancient Assyrian artifacts in all of the homes and the similarity of the murders. Now, he starts to look around and he says, I... If this is murder, and it definitely looks like murder, how did they get in and out? Everything was locked. It's a very interesting point, sir. I don't know how the locks on this uh, home work, or some of you can lock behind with a key. Well, he starts to investigate that. What are the rest of you doing? I'll wait till he leaves, and I'll show the guys the picture. Okay. Sitting on the stoop, trying to recover myself. Okay. With the cop. With the cop. 
And I assume there are more cups in the way. Uh, I, having pocketed the photograph, I'll follow Brinslow into the next room and ask him if we need to make statements or if we can go about our business. Yeah, that's probably a good idea that I have you make statements. Um, I mean, we didn't go inside. I, All we can say is, and he he sort of gestures back to the body and he says, "I don't suspect you of murder." Felix, you were saying something, but you were muted. Uh, I was just out on the stoop with those guys. I had failed that uh, Constitution roll by one. Ah, uh, so I was able to catch it. I threw up in my mouth and then <laughs> swallowed, and then left before it came back out. Okay. And I made Not that roll. Is there a penalty, nonetheless? Uh, no, because you're kind of were expecting it. You know, I mean that that it, it doesn't lessen the horror of it, but it you're braced for it, so you don't really take any sanity damage. Um. All right, uh, the three of you that are still inside the house do a, a spot hidden. Ooh, sixteen. Twelve. I made it 51 for 60. Okay. Uh, let's see. So, Fuller, as you're walking around, uh, you notice an envelope uh, that's next to a chair that looks like it might have been his smoking chair or something like that. It's an opened envelope. And when you look down, you can see the return address is Peter Simkin. Put that in my jacket pocket quietly. Okay. Is that the best spot hidden, or do we all get a, a treat? I, I just gave it to the best spot hidden. Um, other than that, you look around. It's obviously there's been a robbery. Uh, Brinslow says that there. Uh, Brinslow sticks his head out the front door and tells the the cop to. Uh, I don't know how they contacted other cops. He said, you know, go back and bring the... I think at this time they had car boxes mounted on lights. That's box. right. That's what they would have had. Yeah. So go to the police box and, and call this in. Uh, there's been a murder. It's been, a, it's been about a month. Uh, we need to very carefully go over this and, and see if we can figure out who did this. Well, that carpet's ruined. Gentlemen, thank you very much for, uh, for coming by. I'm very sorry that your friend is dead. Um... Thank you, Detective Brinslow, for uh, not thinking us mad. Well, please come down to the station tomorrow and uh, make your statements. Very well. And uh, again, I hope that you find William Punchin alive and well. Uh, we'll definitely look into that immediately. In fact, he says to the cop, he says, see what you can find on a, on a, on a Willard Punchin from uh, Sussex. Yes, sir. We might, we might ought to want to give him a heads up about the curator too, just in case, you know, to keep an eye on him and make sure nothing happens. I feel like Thompson's very much decided to be on his own. And he's, you know, wealthy and... And dishonest. And connected person, so... I think right. if we, I don't know, if we tell the homicide cop, we, we think he's the next victim. I don't know that. I think Thompson would be pissed. I don't know if we care. We have already stolen his journal. Might have. Right. He might, he might uh, 
have a few more things to say after he finds out that yet another person has been killed. Well, I assume this is going to be in the paper tomorrow. It's pretty grisly. Yeah. And he was, he was already noting in his journal who was left. Meanwhile, we're busy on our way across town to commit our own crime. So you guys are in the car and you're heading towards the Pinkers? Yes, and we want, we want two cars for this uh, little adventure. And again, I think uh, the idea is that Vadim and I will be in, the, in some sort of rear guard while you buttonhole this thug. Correct. That's how it goes. Just a letter say. Knowing the lingo. Now that we're away from the cop, what does the letter say? Are you going to read it? Yes, I'm going to read it. All right. Got a letter. Oh, man. Someone read that. I don't read cursive very well. 2nd May, 1925. 85 Lavender Grove. Hackney, E8. Dear Terry, I am a shambles and dare not leave the house. You know the dreams we had in Nineveh once we'd opened that damn temple. Well, they've never stopped for me. Each night I have nightmares. I think it would be better if I could at least remember them. Then perhaps I could find a way to put them from my mind. But I awake remembering nothing. Just vague images of horror and a feeling of terrible dread. I don't think I've had a decent night's sleep for coming on six years. Are you the same? Damn Thompson and damn King. They should have left it alone. We should have left it alone. If there was a way to turn back the clock, I would take it. Something was in that temple. We woke it up. The curse is real. I should have left when Banksmith died. There should have been no way for those supports to give out. I didn't think at the time, didn't listen to the others with their tales of strange shadows and threats from the locals. If I'd have only believed. Someone is watching me. That's the point of me writing to you. I guess you'll just think it another of my delusions, but honestly, there are men watching the house. They look like the ones from Nineveh cannot go outside. Maybe it is a delusion, who knows, but I thought of you and to warn you in case it is them. I'm going to write to Thompson and Brightman too. If it is them, then at least I might do one right thing and warn them before it's too late. Yours, Peter. So we can yeah. now state that there is a group actively i mean we already know but now we can confirm there is a group actively trying to put an end to the people who dug who are at the dig and or trying to return all the artifacts that were uncovered and reginald you you said you've been having bad nightmares yes i uh can't say that i don't remember anything as Mr. Simkin describes, but if this went on for six years, I would be cowering in the dark as well. I'm also worried uh, about um, returning to my home or even the club. I really should not have let that fellow see the tag on my car. No, but I think that the club you're safe. I mean, you could right. come stay with you could come stay with me if you would like that. We'll leave your car at the club, and then you come and stay with me, so that they're at one location, 
as opposed to another. But I would say that at the club, you're probably pretty safe. It's also a possibility that we don't have a luck uh, meeting up with this Guido or whatever at the Pinkers or possibly at Simpkins. Uh, they might be staking at my home. That is a good assumption. Or even sweet relics, because he's being followed too. So how many again, are on the squad? Then again, you mentioned uh, Evie. Uh, was at West End. You mentioned that she was in the West End, so they may be looking for her there. I was just making up a local street name. Yes, I know, but they don't know that. But if it's not a real street, they can't. I mean, they can look for her there all they want since I just made it up off the top of my head. Or spend hours looking for it on a map. <laughs> <laughs> London map. It's pretty terrifying. So, gentlemen, uh, we want a second vehicle. Who's, who has vehicles? Do we all own cars? And we who wants to drive? We all own cars, I'd imagine. Uh, uh, Vadim, if you have a car, then we'll leave mine behind the club or something, so we don't, it's not recognizable. You can do that. We can take two new cars. Yep, I'll take mine. And you guys, it's big enough to snatch somebody up. Okay. Do we need, um, what's, what, do we, what, what do people take in these sort of circumstances? Truncheons and rope? Bring you yeah. my Luger. We were just, yeah. gonna, I was just gonna grab a tire iron. Good heavens. Well, What's I have my already? trusty walking stick with me at all times, and and I open my jacket, and you see there's a uh, a Mauser pistol on my you know on my chest. I have my grandfather's pocket watch. Well, Sykes goes over and he opens up the Oriental weapons cabinet, <laughs> knives and swords and nunchucks and are there throwing stars? Of course. <laughs> they're shaped like little W's so that they're for the, the Wentworth Club. <laughs> nice. <laughs> All right, so you're heading picking, over. Yeah, if I'm picking up my car, I'm going to go up briefly into my uh, quarters and uh, or my one set of quarters I'm using and uh, pick up my, uh, my uh, 1911 and put that in my jacket. Okay. Reginald, do you know how to use a pistol or... Yes, I fired a a cricket bat. I I can fire a handgun or a rifle. I don't have one now. I'm not accustomed to these things. All right. So I'm saying that you're approaching the neighborhood in two cars, you say. Correct. Um, So how do you do this? What are you going to do? I'm just going to slow roll past the house and not even stop or look that way. Okay. Not even, you know, not look towards the house or anything else. We're just going to roll by. As if you were just a car going by? Yeah, through the neighborhood completely and own, unless they're on a cul-de-sac. Drive-by. No, it, it's, it'd be a drive-by. Yep. Um, when you turn onto the street where the Pinkers live, um... There's no activity at the Pinkers. They're probably still out. However, you do see that guy, the tall guy, down at the end of the block, um, 
just leaning up against the fence and smoking. Uh, and as you drive by him, he doesn't even pay any attention to you. He's obviously lost in thought. All right, gents. Um, do you want to park right around the corner somewhere? One person stay with the vehicle. The other park person right in front of, park right in front of him. Snatch him right off the street. Yeah, well, I want to carry him too far. Right, but I want to come up, drop me off, and I want to walk down the block behind him. You call assuming, him over to... Assuming uh, the drive-by meant that you continued past. We did, but we're going to come back I assume that we turned the corner, and uh, Vadim and I have come up behind you, and I will we'll coordinate. Right, now, right. That is the fellow that was here before. So he has consistently loitered in the corner, and he's probably not... He's probably up to no good. I've got and there's this. there's a plan. I think I've got something going up here. Okay. So, like you said, Cyrus, we're going to drop you off. You come up and be ready behind him. Correct. We're going to pull in front of him. We're going to ask him to come towards the car for direction or ask anything just to get him to come off that pole and lean down over towards the car. And you just come up and butt stock the back of his head with that pistol. We'll throw him in the back seat, get him strapped down real good. And by the time he wakes up, he'll be so far away from anything, he'll answer anything we want. All right. Well, now, to, to remind you, Felix, when I asked him for directions, he just stayed where he was and said, piss off. Well, in that case, Cyrus will pop him right off that pole. Then we'll drag him to the car and the rest will follow. Now, my next question for the GM, how populated is this, is this street? Is it like... It's the middle of the day on a work day. Uh, there's not people walking around. You don't see anybody. What kind of area is this? Is this like the seedy area? No, it's, a, it's a not a bad upscale? area. It's, it's a nice area. Look, yeah. we just get him and hit him and grab him fast, and no one will be able to... Let me, let me give you a little bit of tactics. Um, he's on a street. He's leaning up against the fence. The only directions that he can go is to the left or to the right, or he can run out into the street, cross the street, and go somewhere. You know, And there's places where he can go in between houses. Right. Right where he is, there's a fence. He can only go left or right. He can't go backwards. All right, so let's do this. You guys pull up in front of him. As I come up from behind, I'm just going to crack him. I'm going to throw him in the car, and we're going to go. I'm not even going to speak to him. Okay. There you, go. you can't really come up from behind him. Uh, I'll just. You, I'm, you can come up from the left or the right. Uh, assuming the corner is on the left side, I'll come up from the right. Okay. With my cane, very hobbling. I'm okay. walking with like a severe limp dragging my foot and and using my cane like i'm like i got a war wound okay. my knee my knee doesn't work now does he even look up as he hears my okay. foot dragging so as as this as this happens uh the first thing he notices of course you walking in his way in his direction and he gets kind of an amused look on his face I figured like uh Having a bit of trouble there, old timer. 
I'm going to make it like I'm even like embarrassed or whatever, just kind of like give, and I trying to look away. Like I don't want you looking at me. And he I'm looks getting, like the kind of guy that would try to trip you. Trip you. That's what I was hoping for. So when I get within about two or three feet, I'm, uh -huh. the cane's just going to come up and I'm going to swing for the benches. Okay, go ahead and do an attack. Now, where are the rest of you at that moment? Are you pulling up in front? Yeah, yeah pulling in, not really right in front far. of him. All up. right, so you've pulled up right in front of him. And Vadim and I are at the corner, leaning through the windscreen, watching it all. Okay. Taking the back just in case if he runs. I don't think that you could really miss, so if you miss, do another roll. I got an 11. Oh, okay. And that, ooh, it's, oh, no, it is extreme. All right, you hit him right in the gut and the the look on his face is priceless he's so surprised and uh but he's doubled over in pain and just run run with him towards the car if possible okay so Don't this is just as just as uh who's who's driving the car and who's getting out i'm driving it i'm getting out so Fuller, he, he's coming right at you, and with the two of you, you can easily shuffle him into the car. And he's cussing up a storm, and he's struggling, but he's in agony. Get uh, him in the car. Jump right in behind slide, him. Slide oh. up right beside him. Stick the Luger in his rib cage. And I say, like, shut up. I, I don't want no trouble. No trouble. Come on. What the hell? I'm just going to drive. I don't know where I'm going. I'm just driving. Out of town. And I'm going to wave. I'm waving to Reginald and Vadim as we go by. Come on. Get out of town. I'm going to say, you know the place, the docks. We could dump the body easily. We're headed to the docks. Holy shit, look, look. I don't know what you guys are up to. I mean, uh, I, I ain't got no money. Shake him down, Cyrus. Yeah, I start, uh, hold that pistol on him, and I start running his pockets. Empty your pockets. And hey, get, well, keep your hands up. I'm emptying everything out of all of his pockets. All right. And um, not nicely, either. I'll rip the pocket open if I need to. He does have a lot of cash. Uh, looks like about 40 bucks. Um, it's a big wad of cash. 40 bucks back there. Oh, not bucks. Uh, oh, pounds. in fact, even better. I go, this isn't about money. And I throw, the, throw it right out the window. What do you guys want? I'm, I'm fucking nobody. Yeah, you're nobody. What's your fucking name? Uh, Stuart. Uh, Stuart? Okay, uh, Stuart. Oh, you're a dick. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you standing out there? And I just jab him in the face. I don't let him answer. That not quick enough, bitch. Uh, look, we're we're just we're just. Where? Who's we? Uh, Boom again. Not not quick enough, buddy. I, when I speak, you answer. And I wrap him in the head again. Now look, next look, time look. it's going to be with the gun. Look, I'm we're, just, we're we're supposed to watch those those people across the street because. We we were told to, that we're looking for things. Charlie, you think he's telling the truth, Charlie? No. Sounds like he's making things up. I've never known a man named Oz Stewart to tell the truth. I clicked the gun. Oz <laughs> uh, Stewart, this isn't a good situation, buddy. Dude, uh, dude we were just... We were just I don't think he says dude. Yeah. Uh, 
uh, look, look, look. We were just supposed to be looking for artifacts, you know? Things Bobby, like from... Who sent you, first of all? Uh, look, I, I can wrap the guy that hired us. There's no two, way. Three, two... No. Look, the things he could do to me, there's no way. There's no way that oh, I can tell you that. He can give you lead poisoning? Because you're about to get lead poisoning. I guess we're not getting answers out of you. All right, you know what? Go to, let's just dump the body here. Fuck it. And I, I, I'm not going to shoot him. I'm pretending that, you know, I want him to piss his pants and speak. Not, not on the car, man. Oh, we'll dump this and burn the car and get a new one. Excellent. Look, look this, this guy, he, he employs me to keep, to keep a lookout for certain things, you know, things like you'd find at the museum. And he, he said... He said anything from some place called Nineveh. That was that was what we were supposed to look for. Uh, now I grab his wrist. I go, "What's his name?" And I snap his pinky look, finger. Look, I don't know what his name is. He's a he's a wealthy guy, a collector. Uh, Crack. I break the finger. You don't know his name? Ah, you son of a bitch! You, oh, you've met her? And I grab his next finger. I'm just giggling. He's like, he's like God, God. I can't. He said. His, his name? He said, listen, listen, just, just swear to God. Oh, God. <laughs> it just hurts. <laughs> All right, you got, you got, eight, you got eight fingers left. I'm going to start cutting them off now. All right, I'm going to tell you, please, God, don't break, don't break any of my fingers. Well, two are broken. You got eight left. So you, I'm not going to break anymore. I'm just going to start cutting them off. Okay. Uh, he says, look, he says, uh, all I know is, is, and he looks at you in the face, and he suddenly smiles. Except you realize he's not smiling. He's gritting his teeth really tightly, and his eyes are getting big, and he goes, <sighs> like that, and just spews blood all over you. And he's shaking, and he just collapses dead. And there's blood all over the inside of the car and all over you. Oh, Cyrus. Should I do a sanity roll? Did you yeah. shoot the guy? Yeah. No, I, I think he just poisoned Actually, everybody in the car. Yeah, Actually, we, just, pass. we just tortured this guy. We're going to have to make a sanity roll. 28. 40. Yeah, and you're following in the other car, you're like going, oh, everything just turned turned red. <laughs> but Dean, is he, did he swerve a bit there? I, I slam on the brakes when that happened. All right. I swear yeah, I didn't no, shoot no. him. I swear okay. I didn't shoot him. Stop him the, stop in the car. Keep the an eye on out the red. The good look on the guy's face is like one of, of absolute sheer terror. And it doesn't look like he swallowed anything. No. He didn't swallow anything. And when you, rolled up, right? When you when you look at him, he's all bruised all over. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, out, of, out of curiosity, at this time in history, would people have driver's license? Probably. I want to look at his driver's license and see what his name really is. He doesn't have any driver's license. Oh. And they didn't have pictures on them. It was just like a card with a name and a number, I believe. I just wanted to know if this was Guido. I. I just really want to get some club soda on this before it stains yeah. the interior. 
Yeah, I think that's where we're going to leave it. With call the fixer. Covered in blood. <laughs> call yeah, the fixer. This ain't going to be, yeah, call the fixer, because this ain't going to come out very easily. Our players included Jason Melnichok, John Byram, Ford Fitch, Jerry Bryant, and David Gassaway, with yours truly as the Keeper of the Secrets. We're currently producing up to five shows a week with music and sound effects added in post-production in order to create a richer listener experience. We provide audio-only versions of our shows free for you to download from Podbean or iTunes. The costs involved with the show are provided almost entirely by our patrons. Without them, we wouldn't be able to do what we do. If you'd like to support our show, visit our Patreon account. Just a dollar to a month helps us a lot. You can find a link in the description below. Like, share, and subscribe to our channel and punch that bell icon for updates on our latest shows and leave us some comments. We enjoy reading them and enjoy and, and answering any questions you might have. This is Tom Rayleigh, together with all the members of our gaming club, inviting you to journey with us once again into the darkness for another adventure into the universe of HP Lovecraft and the Call of Cthulhu role-playing game. Until next time, good luck and good gaming. Mm-hmm.